Hello, everyone, and welcome to One for All, a weekly podcast where two wonderful ladies rewatch and review the anime My Hero Academia. Today, we will be talking about season three, episode seven. What a twist! And I remember the twist. <laughs> it is the M. Night Shyamalan named episode. Mm-hmm. I remember, God, it was so long ago now, I'm dating myself, but back. In, like, the early 2000s, they made fun of M. Night Shyamalan with a, like, what a twist episode of, like, Ro- Robot Chicken or something like that. It mm-hmm. was uh, it was absurd. I remember, I'm dating myself because I remember when, like, you get that annual M. M. Night Shyamalan movie and they were, like, always good. And then they were terrible. <laughs> and then they were terrible. <laughs> and apparently they're coming back around now. But I do remember when he was like this new promising director making these amazing films. And then they were terrible. <laughs> and then, yeah, then they were just awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, It's been another week since the election mm-hmm. here. Corona's still a thing. COVID's still here. Yep. That, I feel like that gets said at the front of every episode. We were just discussing um, how holidays are going to be complicated this year. Like... Big family parties that normally happen are not going to happen as a result of that. I mean, if you're smart, maybe you don't have a 50-person party during a pandemic. Yeah, especially at a time when cases are spiking. Mm. It, it's middle of November right now in the United States. And if you're listening to this, like crackdowns are starting again across the country as governors try hard to get the, the virus under control because it is bad. Yeah, and I feel like throughout this entire pandemic experience that the least I could say with, you know, at least it's not that bad in Maine. Like, compared to the rest of the country, we're doing pretty good. Um, But now cases are spiking here. And um, I think, like, the transmission rate or whatever is, like, the highest here than it is is in the country, at least as of the last time I've checked. So... Now we have to be super duper careful. Not that we really haven't been, but now we just have to be even more aware of what's going on. So it's interesting, like you deal with one big giant world event, the election, or whatever it happens to be, but then the pandemic is still there. No matter what, you still have to pivot back around to it. Yeah, and I think we're going to be dealing with this for a long time. You're going to be yeah. he- you're going to be hearing the words "COVID's still here" yep. <laughs> at the beginning of episodes, probably through season four, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, I just got a really awesome haircut. Yeah, there's some good stuff. There's I some... haven't had a haircut in nine months. <laughs> I I started going after things got a little better mm-hmm. after the initial wave at a very responsible salon. Like they are dressed to the nines for the virus everybody masks you know Mm -hmm. gloves and antibacterial and just all the stuff but yeah for the most part i had been growing it out for since march Mm -hmm. so eight months and i cut most of it off today just hit the floor and it was wonderful so much hair so much hair but enough about our crazy lives mm-hmm. and the, the life that is going on here for many Americans amidst a pandemic. Mm-hmm. We're going to go talk about this episode. Do You said you remembered the twist. I remember the twist because I remember the first time watching it being very surprised at how things ultimately turn out. Yes. I remember a bit about this episode too. We don't want to spoil the twist for you if you're watching for the first time, so... We will not reveal it here until the second half of the episode. But we're going to watch it, make sure that it matches our memories, and then come back to discuss. We'll see you soon. 
And we are back. The episode is over. We get a, a quick recap of the events that led up to the start of the episode. Namely, the uh, escape of the villain, who Compress. Mr. Compress. Yeah. Um, kidnapping Bakugo and Tokoyami. And everyone flying through the air. Yep. And then we get a little bit of a, a rewind in time to events going on elsewhere before this moment. With the rejects. And the kids aren't all right. No, they have just heard that Bakugo has been kidnapped. And Kirishima, in particular, is really fired up. He's really concerned about him. Yeah. There's a lot of great shipper episodes. It's episode for, for a couple different pairings. And this is one of them. <laughs> yeah, that particular... I mean, why wouldn't he be upset? His mm-hmm. his explosive lover is in, in danger. In danger. Um, but, you know... Vlad, of course, the teacher, his concern is the students, and he doesn't want to let any of them go into danger. Yeah, and that's a very logical thing for a yeah. teacher to do, right? Like, they don't know how many villains mm-hmm. there are yet. They don't know, they know they're dangerous, mm-hmm. and they already know they've lost one student. They can't just have all these kids out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and but the one thing they do know, or at least they think they know, is the kids are perfectly fine where they are, but then they see the shadow at the door. And who is it? Could it be Eraserhead? No, it's Dobby, and he attacks. Yeah, and it's it's also important to note here, like, the kids are frustrated, including Tenya. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because they're like, we've been authorized to use our powers. Like, we should be helping. Like, we can help. And th- the point is brought up right before this happens at the door with, with Dobby incinerating the door, mm-hmm. is that... Eraserhead gave permission for self-defense so that people could get back here and not Mm -hmm. so they could go out and charge in. And And from what we as the audience have seen, there's a good reason for that. These people are dangerous. Yeah. And it's not just like, oh, you might have to fight this one guy. Like, you know, there was all that smoke from the fire and the poison gas. Like, there are a lot of dangerous things out there. So it makes sense that the teachers are being cautious. But... When Dobby busts on through, he encounters a very ready pro hero mm-hmm. in in Vlad King there. Yeah, and he has the he like he pins Dobby to the wall pretty quickly with blood that he can control. Yeah, his his quirk is called blood control, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's his blood or he just keeps a bunch of it on him. He makes him. weekly trips to the butcher and he gets, you know, gallons of blood. That's that would be a lot of blood if it was his blood, all I'm saying. No, that's what I mean. <laughs> it's it's really worrisome how yeah. much blood comes out of these gauntlets that he has. Yeah, that would like knock him out right there. Yeah, and he changes the um consistency of the blood so it's actually something that pins Dobby to the wall and he's like you're an idiot why did you come come in here like and Dobby's like because we're fucking winning yeah like they're like our entire point in this is basically to weaken faith in the hero system and to weaken faith in this society that All Might has set up basically and if we go in and we start messing with kids and kidnapping kids that further weakens the faith in it, um, which we see later on in the episode is true. Especially because this is UA. It's the biggest, most important hero institution in the country. And because All Might teaches there. Mm-hmm. Like, if 
small time villains, a small group of villains can do this despite those things, then clearly there's no safety and there's no security and there's no order. And they're like, we don't have to be, we don't need a ton of numbers to defeat you. Mm -hmm. We just have to break the system and we can do that with even a small group of us. And this really troubles everyone. So it's a good thing that, you know, Eraserhead jumps in the door and just kicks Dobby in the face. It's very satisfying, actually. Yeah, it's really satisfying. He kicks him over and then he continually steps on him until he turns into mud because he's a he's a duplicate. Yeah, and actually, you don't see him at first turn into mud. You just sort of see, you know, everything from the perspective of, like, Eraserhead's waist up. So it looks like he's just, like, stepping on this guy's face. So you're like, oh, that's that's pretty dark. And you're like, oh, no, it's another, another clone. It's another clone. So... <laughs> They all want to go out and fight and Eraserhead is like, no, again, like, we are, we don't have enough information. Like, our intel is very bad at the moment. We don't know what we would be charging into. It's better if mm-hmm. I just run out there yep. and see what I can do. <laughs> he also says, basically, sorry, I'm late. I had to watch this kid. Yep, Code is back. And all in one piece. So, that's Look, good. Looking mortified. Yes. <laughs> but... Back to the present. Back to the present. Where Deku and company slam into Mr. Compress as he hits the ground. They This is a really badass moment mm-hmm. where they show up and you think they're going to save the day. And they are immediately set upon by the assembled villains and are in trouble. Oh, yeah. Very fast. Like, Dobby lights them all on fire. We, um, like, and you can see that there are, are burns that happen here with Deku and Shoji particularly. And um, what else happens? We have kind of a skirmish between um, Twice Twice and Todoroki. Yep. And um, what's her name? Himiko gets in in the business. Yeah. She immediately goes after Deku because she is fixated on him, as we've seen. And Shoji protects him from her. um, And she gets annoyed at that because Shoji isn't her type. Evidently, six arms. Just don't do it for her. Yeah, and I don't know why. That that man gives great hugs. Yes, I think that she's being way too judgmental. Especially since we've seen in this episode and last episode just how loyal he is. So, yeah. Yeah, and an important thing to note here, we also learned that Todoroki is on the kill list. Mm-hmm. Like, that gets brought up twice, sees him and says, you know, there's another one on the kill list. We know Deku's on the kill list. We know that Bakugo is on the capture list. Basically, the a couple people from the class are have been deemed too dangerous mm-hmm. to let live, and if you have the opportunity, off them. Yep, yeah. which makes sense because we've seen that both Deku and Todoroki are, can be very dangerous. I mean, we just saw Deku take out Muscular, um, and sure, he's quite worse for wear, but he definitely proved that he could be dangerous. Yeah. So good news for them. It seems like they have successfully recovered their friends. Yeah, there's um sort of a nice reveal when you see that Soji pulls out the marbles that Mr. Compress used to capture Tokoyami and Bakugo. He had them in his pocket. Uh, he had them in his pocket and he's like, you know, you're I noticed you put something in your pocket, so I grabbed them. And Mr. Compress is actually kind of impressive person, like just what I'd expect with someone with six arms, basically. <laughs> And so they're going to make a break for it because mm-hmm. they, they have their friends and they're going to run. Mm-hmm. But they run smack dab into the Nomu yep. and Kurogiri. Yes. And they're like, we are fucked. Mm-hmm. You, you can tell that they are in 
in trouble. They did not think this through. Yeah, the Nomus, you know, ever since the USJ experience have definitely, they know to be scared of them, that they're they're dangerous. And with Kurogiri there, we see some of the villains start to leave and they're like, hey, why are you leaving? Like, you know, we, we still have a fight going on here. Um, and it's revealed that we have a, a situation of some sleight of hand, basically. Yeah, like any great magician, he uses distraction mm-hmm. to pull off his tricks. Yeah. So he was intentionally showing the kids his pocket, but had already switched the location of the marbles into mm-hmm. his mouth. Yep. So he still has both of the kids as a result. So everyone freaks out because the villains are about to get away with two students. And they rush in and they charge in. We see Todoroki go after someone. And is it Shoji? Go after another Yeah, because another, Deku falls. Because Deku falls. Because he has no arms right now. What can he do? Yeah, his um, body is fucked up. And Shoji manages to get one of the marbles. But Todoroki falls short. Yeah, Dobby grabs it before he can. Yeah, because Dobby gets in the way. Really important note here, too. Yeah. Like, we talked about the fan theory surrounding Dobby. Yeah. But when he takes the marble, mm-hmm. he specifically looks at Todoroki and he says, disappointing, Shoto Todoroki. Yeah. Like, he uses his full name. Mm-hmm. Like, he is very familiar with him and takes a step back. Yeah. I, th- I think that that was an interesting moment, too. Just the way that he says Todoroki's name. There's there's something going on there. I would not be surprised if this particular fan theory turns out to be true, which is kind of interesting because most fan theories are bullshit. So, <laughs> well, it's also really interesting to see how his powers differ from mm-hmm. endeavors. Mm-hmm. Like he's got that blue fire, which is usually like when fire burns really, really hot. hot. Yeah. Like, and it makes me wonder, like, if that's true, did Endeavor experiment with? Uh, other other breeding attempts to improve the heat of his fire and then realize it just wouldn't work because, I don't know, that guy's really burned. Yeah. But anyways, for this, in, in the present day, going back to this very intense moment, we see the villains rush away and at the last moment, Mr. Compress reveals the trick. He shows, you know, that the student they have managed to successfully rescue is Tokoyami and the student that they failed to rescue is Bakugo, and they kidnap him, which is the twist, which genuinely surprised me the first time that I saw it, because there are all these moments where you think, oh my god, maybe they're going to rescue him, like when they're flying through the air, and they have this big heroic arrival, and even at this moment, where there's a moment when, like, when the the students are going to grab the balls, it's actually the the reason why they're going to grab these marbles is because Yuya uses his naval laser abilities to sort of knock them out of the villain's hands. And out of think, his mouth. Out He's of so- his mouth, that's true. And you think, oh, this is the big twist. This is the big heroic moment where they're able to save the day. But they don't. They fail. Big time. Yeah, they fall short. Bakugo is taken. Deku mm-hmm. watches him be pulled through yeah. the warp gate. And... Bakugo says, don't come. Yep. This is another big shipper moment. I'm not particularly fond of this ship, but I can see if you are a Deku Bakugo shipper and you see this moment where Bakugo tells Deku not to come after him, and then you see Deku like basically fall to his knees and like scream in rage uh, or in grief over losing Bakugo. I can see why you would find this moment to really hit you in the feels. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And, you know... Kudos to this episode for allowing 
the heroes to fail yeah. so spectacularly. Mm-hmm. And it's not just even with Bakugo. Like, Bakugo's the big fail, but one of the pussycats is missing. Yeah, one of the pussycats is missing. One is in critical condition. Like, a ton of students are, have, like, medical issues. Mm-hmm. Like, some are in critical care. Yeah, they talk about how Vlad ends up calling emergency services, like, and you see the fire trucks come in to take care of, like, the forest, and you see, like, all these kids being carted away in ambulances and stuff like that. I think they mentioned that 13 of the students are not injured, which is not, I mean, that's not that many to be not injured. Like, not everyone is as badly injured as Deku. You have people like Ochako, for example, that has more of a minor injury, but that's, that looks really really bad can you imagine if a school in in the present day like here went on a field trip and that many of their students were critically injured ended up in a hospital and someone got kidnapped the school would be done it would be like a national event it would be all over the news it people would be absolutely outraged and be talked about for weeks and that's kind of what ends up happening here like we see that the press has arrived outside the door outside the door and they're like how are you going to tell the families of their children like what's going on you see news clips covering the whole incident UA's and empty. ua's empty and we see uh, the teachers meeting together and they are also well aware of how bad this is yeah they're talking about how they were trying to prepare the kids so that they could more adequately deal with villains, which is going to be a really real part of their future, considering that All Might is, you know, not Mm -hmm. well at the moment. Um, And unfortunately, they're too late. The villains are already on the move. And President Mike is like, we got too complacent in this age where, you know, organized crime was snuffed out. And we, we thought we had plenty of time think about what we were going to do next and we wasted it yeah i mean we you know we talked before about how the presence of all might means that people can you know be calm and they can feel safe in the world but as president mike points out in this very moment because all might did everything that he did they have maybe gotten a little too comfortable and they've forgotten that just because you know the organized crime for example is all snuffed out doesn't necessarily mean that new villains won't arrive And they have a secondary conversation here, which is important. And it's a thread that's going to continue throughout the series is they're like, there's got to be a traitor here Mm -hmm. because nobody knew. Yeah. And present Mike actually is the one that brings this up and which makes sense. He's a bit of a loud mouth. He holds nothing back. And some of the other teachers are a little more cautious being like, you know, we can't get into that because how are we going to prove basically that we're not traitors um, that would make us turn against each other and stuff like that? Yeah, like, we but, can't tear each other apart right now. Yeah, even the principal says, you know, I, even I can't prove that I'm not a traitor in this situation, but we all need to stick together and I trust all of you. Do you have any theories on who the traitor might be? I think we'll talk about that maybe closer to the end of the season. Sure. Just because I think every season we get. Like Mm -hmm. a a little bit of clues to to go with that. But yeah, I mean, USJ, Mm -hmm. they knew the schedule and when like All Might was supposed to be there and, you know, all that stuff. And then this incident, like somebody has staff information Mm -hmm. and they are feeding it to the League of Villains. Yeah, so that's definitely someone in the inside, someone who is very trusted. Yep. 
very trusted or has been snooping around, mm-hmm. you know, which indicates a teacher, faculty, or student. Or some sort of important ally. Yes. All Might gets a cell phone call in the middle of this meeting with his... His voice, <laughs> which is a very All Might thing. It's interesting because, you know, we have All Might and he's this wonderful self-sacrificing person and he's just amazing. But you have to have a bit of an ego if you have your own voice as your ringtone. I'm sorry. <laughs> and everyone's super critical. They're like, geez, why don't you turn your phone off? We're in a meeting. And then uh, Midnight's like, his ringtone is terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this was a bit of a like a cultural sort of thing. Because I feel like, you know, at least here in the U.S., that cell phones have become such an ever-present thing that people sort of, if a, a phone was to ring in a meeting... You know, someone might be a little annoyed, but no one would get, like, offended. But maybe over there, they're a little more polite. (laughs) Yeah, he excuses himself to go take this call, and it's from, how do you say his name? Sukauchi. Sukauchi, yeah. Um, Who has, you know, who's let him know that he has information, actually, that might be helpful. He might know where the League of Villains is. And he mentioned that someone saw someone with a patchwork face going into into a building. Sounds like Dobby. Sounds like Dobby. Yeah. And Sukauchi, you know, finds All Might. Basically, All Might's in a very weak moment right here. Like, he's feeling very defeated. He's feeling like he didn't do enough. And Sukauchi lets him know that we really need you to be here for this. And All Might immediately gets fired up and he's like, okay, I'll be here for it. He gets all big and muscular and, you know, he's he's ready to throw down. He's ready to beat the hell out of these these villains who have hurt his students. Uh, he's very fired up. We get to see more of the press criticism briefly mm-hmm. on various television channels. And we find out that the villains are the ones watching it. Yeah, it's actually interesting. Like, don't get me wrong. If something this big were to happen, it would make sense. That would be It would be all over the news. But it f- makes me feel a lot like when there's a mass shooting and how oftentimes those are done for attention and then they immediately plaster the shooter's face every and name everywhere all over the news. Because the villains are so happy for the publicity. Yeah, they are pleased as punch. And they have Bakugo in irons, basically. Yeah. Uh, so he can't use his powers, which makes sense. And Bakugo is not very comfortable with the situation. He looks pretty... Pissed. Yeah, he looks pissed. <laughs> He does not look very happy at all with the situation. We don't hang there very long. No, we don't. We actually go to Deku, who is lying in the hospital bed with very big eyes. Very, very big eyes. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a whole scene. It's a long scene mm-hmm. where he kind of reflects on what happened. Like his mother left him apple slices. Mm-hmm. He thinks about, he's probably thinking about how bad that conversation is going to be. Oh, man. I mean, it's real. Like, he thinks about how torn up she was at the end of season two when Shigaragi almost got him, basically, and how this is going to absolutely destroy her. Like, she has been through a lot in, again, what's only been like three months, three months or so. So, yeah, I feel bad for Deku's mom. (laughs) Yeah. And while he's lying here thinking about this, the class comes to check on him. Mm -hmm. And it's like everybody, which is nice. Well, everybody who's well enough to be up and about. Yeah. Who is it? Jiro is still out from the gas, I think. And Momo was still recovering from her injuries. Yep. Because Momo was like, not in a coma, but she was out. Yeah. She had a concussion or something like that. 
And Deku has this really impassioned monologue while he's talking to everybody because they're like, yeah, they got Bakugo. Uh, they confirm for him and remind him what happened. And he talks about how, you know, like last season we talked about how All Might can't save everyone. Mm-hmm. And how, but he always saves the people who are in front of him, which I don't actually think is true. Um, but, he tries. but he tries. But for Deku, like it is true. Like mm-hmm. that is his objective reality. And how, you know, he had an opportunity to save Bakugo. He was right there. Mm-hmm. And but he, he failed. He couldn't because he was so terribly injured because he doesn't have control on of one for all. Which I'm kind of of two minds on this scene. Because on one hand, I feel like this is a very important realization for him to make. Because we have this character that is so self-sacrificing. And one of the drawbacks of characters that are very self-sacrificing and are willing to put their bodies through you know, all this horrible harm um, that isn't actually examined as often as I feel as it should be is when you're horribly injured, you can't help people. And even if you manage to save the day one time, you might fall short the next. So he, it's basically an important realization that he needs to continue to get this power under control. But at the same time, I feel like he's being too hard on himself. Because as we mentioned, it's only been like three months and he's done really great. I mean... I don't know. He's just a kid at the end of the day. And I feel like he's being way too hard on himself here. Well, he holds himself to really high standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it comes with the pressure of being chosen. Yeah. Right? Like, he has this great responsibility which has been handed to him. And he knows more than any of these other kids do mm-hmm. about why that's so important. And, like, how he, because All Might, frankly, puts too much pressure on him. Yeah, he does. That... He needs to be the new symbol of peace so that this age that has been calm and and quiet can continue. Mm -hmm. And he's just not there. Yeah. And, you know, the students definitely, they feel for him in this moment. Um, I did notice it was interesting that um, they brought him a melon. uh, And they make a big deal about how they brought him a melon. And I do remember hearing once on a a vlog that they... Fruit is more expensive over there. Mm-hmm. I guess it has to probably has to do with the fact that, you know, island nation and all that, not as much land. Imports. So that's actually a bigger deal than it looks like. It's not just like they went to the grocery store and got a melon on sale. So that was probably, it probably means a lot. Um, and then we have Karishima kind of jump in and uh, tell about a situation that happened just the day before when Deku was unconscious. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Karishma is like, I know you're really bummed out, but we can go save him right now. Mm-hmm. Because it turns out, as we, the audience, know, Momo got a tracker on that Nomu. Like, yeah. And she made a little remote tracker. Yeah, they, uh, Karishima reflects that he and Todoroki saw Momo um, showing the tracker remote to Tsukauchi. All Might and Tsukauchi. Um, and how Momo... You know, she's all injured, but she's she's up. And she feels as if she did not do enough. There's definitely a moment where she feels like she fell short, similar to Deku feels. But, you know, All Might is there for her, and he encourages her that, like, you know, the pro heroes are going to take care of things now. You, you you know, he praises her for her foresight, foresight. basically. Um, and takes the little remote thing away so they can get the location of the tracker. 
Yeah, they're going to storm in mm-hmm. with a bunch of pro heroes and, and fix this situation. They're going to get Bakugo back. They're like, you've done mm-hmm. exactly what you needed to do in the moment. You realized the scope of your powers and what you could do, and you did it. And you've given us an opportunity to make this right. And we're going to take care of it. And he's All Might. So yeah. everybody believes him because yeah. that's what he does. Or Karishima has another idea. They say they can go and rescue Bakugo and they can, because they can convince Momo to make another little device to show them where the tracker is. And as you might imagine, Tenya, from his experience last season with Hero Killer Stain, does not like this idea at all. Yeah, he is visibly upset. Mm-hmm. And Karishima doesn't know the, the, extent, full, yeah. the full extent of what happened there. But Deku knows and Todoroki yeah. knows. And Tenya is frustrated because Deku and Todoroki should know better. And Todoroki's like, yeah, like we'll go, we'll go do this. And they're trying to convince Deku to go, mm-hmm. you know, with him. And Tenya reflects on how his mentor got in trouble mm-hmm. because of what they did, and he he promised them that he wouldn't do that again. Yeah. And Sue isn't down with this either. She's like, we have to let the pros handle this. Like yeah. this isn't, like we've done enough. Yeah. And but then you have Karishima on the other hand, and another moment that's great for shippers, and you can tell that he feels like. He was useless. Like, his friend, air quotes, friend, was taken away from him. And he was unable to do anything because he was held back by a racer head. So now he really wants to be able to do something to rescue his friend. It's it's really, the line for the shippers is him saying, how can I ever be a man or Mm -hmm. a hero if I don't, like, go do this? Mm -hmm. Like, the the man comment in there, the gender roles is... Mm -hmm. So unnecessary, but yeah. <laughs> it just it adds to the weight of that uh, potential mm-hmm. ship there. How can I be a man for Bakugo, who mm-hmm. clearly needs <laughs> a uh, a strong, manly man mm-hmm. in his relationship? Yep. Um, but and that's kind of where things end up. Like, what is going to happen? Are they going to let the pro heroes take care of things? They're not. I mean, let's be honest, you know that. Or are they going to go in and are they going to try and rescue their friend? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a show if they all sat around and did yeah, nothing. Yeah, and did nothing. That's just how things work. But, yeah, what a twist. What a twist. I really like this episode a it's lot. It's a good one, yeah. I oh, I mentioned this earlier, but I always enjoy it when shows or authors, like anybody who's writing good fiction isn't afraid to let their characters fail and, like, learn from those mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like, Deku's realization in the hospital bed where he's weighing in on how he couldn't do anything because he was injured Mm -hmm. is going to be a critical one for him moving forward. It's really important. Um, And, you know, it really sort of, you know, lights a fire under him and shows him he needs to figure out ways to get more control over his abilities or, at the very least, not get so terribly injured. Because I think... What is this? How many times have we seen him in the hospital bed with like broken arms now? Too many times, Deku. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how he can't have like severe, like emotional trauma from all that pain Mm -hmm. on top of the physical damage, which we'll talk a little more about here this season later Mm -hmm. because it's going to come up again. Yes, it will. But yeah, I think this episode is fantastic. Yeah, and it's done in a way that is very like suspenseful. As I mentioned before, like, you assume that they're going to be successful. You assume because they're the heroes. Like, you, you think that this is going to be a situation where the heroes are up against huge odds, just like Deku in the muscular fight. But in the end, they manage to find the strength 
and they manage to pull together and they manage to rescue their friends and they don't and like obviously it's very painful for them but it's really good tv for us <laughs> it's it's really good tv and another example of of a group that did this really well was infinity war the russo brothers did this really well there yeah. too um and the crazy thing about infinity war is unlike this episode i went into that movie being like i think thanos is going to win this one i feel like they're going to like one way or another there's going to be a big fail at the end and it was still emotionally impactful which i think says a lot when you don't have to necessarily depend upon twists, even though twists are great, um, and you still are able to sort of hit in the feels like that, that's that's really good. Who gets your plus ultra character of the week award? Oh, who do I give the plus ultra character of the week in an episode where everyone fails? I'm going to give it to Momo, actually, for getting that tracking um, button on the guy, even though that was technically at last episode. But she didn't get it last episode, so I'm going to give it to her this episode because that's going to be really important and... All Might was right. She did have the foresight in a bad situation where she was probably concussed. Um, so I'm going to have to give it to her. I am going to give it to Yuya this mm, week. Yeah. Because he is regularly portrayed as a character who... Is ridiculous. Is ridiculous, often mostly incompetent mm -hmm. and cowardly yeah. in a lot of cases. He doesn't ever really seem like he belongs here. Yeah, but he saved Tokuyami. Like, even though we don't really talk about that all that much because everyone's so overwhelmed with Bakugo, like, it was his, you know, sort of laser, naval laser that managed to knock the marble out of his hands and they were able to save Tokuyami. So... Yeah, he shot that right at Mr. Compress's face, destroyed yeah. his mask, mm -hmm. and the scene where he opens his mouth and the marbles... Yeah, just fly out. <laughs> fly out is... Fantastic. They would have lost them both yeah. without Yuya finding the courage to act. So Yeah, and that's great because we were able to see last episode that he was just very scared. He was very much the damsel in the stress, and it was nice to see him emerge and be more heroic this episode. So I agree with you there. That's a good one, too. If you have a different opinion on who the plus ultra character of the week is this week or you want to talk about failure in fiction please hit us up on Twitter at One For All Cast. We would love to talk to you. You can also find us there as well. I'm at Incidentally Anna, A-N-A, and Nancy is at... Watch Nancy Tweet. Additionally, if you love the show, we would love for you to leave us a rating or a review on your podcatcher of choice. I know we harp on this every week, but it is important. Thank you to everyone who has left a rating or review on your various platforms since the show started. We really appreciate it. Go feed the algorithms. Mm-mm, data. <laughs> Now, don't forget, if you're looking for a little pick-me-up before the next season of MHA comes out or in between podcasts, you can get yourself some great hero fiction written by Nancy here on the, the podcast that you listen to. Some really great work over on Amazon. You can check out Red and Black, Black and Blue, and Silver and Gold, all available on pretty much all the formats but audio. We have print and ebook and Kindle Unlimited. So go and check those out. There's also The Lady of the Watchtower, which is my fantasy short story collection. And these books are, they're staring me in the face. They're like six inches away from my face because we're on my desk right now. <laughs> yep. The, the uh, pre-sale copies are yes. here sitting and staring us at the face at our little recording area. Now, we also want to thank, and we, we thank him every week, Richard DaCosta, for our opening and ending credits, which are fantastic and a lot of fun. Having a good opening and outro is so essential to good podcasting, and we appreciate the fact that we had a great composer 
on our side to help us develop ours. Thank all of you for listening. Like we wouldn't do this if you weren't tuning in and there's more of you every week. Like even through COVID where podcast numbers were extremely low overall, like our listenership has stayed mostly steady with a slight growth rate. So we appreciate all of you who listen every week and all of you who recommend this show to another person. Thank you so much. And you may or may not have heard that, but Coraline, our cat, meowing quite a bit. So she thanks you too. Lastly, I want to give a special thank you to my co-host, Nancy, for continuing to listen to me ramble about a superhero kids TV show every week. Now, next time, we're going to be tuning in for Season 3, Episode 8, from Ida to Midoriya. We'll see you then. See you then. See you then.